And uh, look, just, just as I, I kick off, so, so I'm Simon, and um, look, I'm sharing with you this morning, and one of the things uh, that some of you who know me uh, will be aware of is that I'm, I'm still playing rugby. Those of you who are visitors, you can just turn to the person next to you and go, did that old guy just say he's still playing rugby? I thought this was a series on wisdom. I do apologise. But, um, but one of the things, I was never, you know, I played rugby when I was younger, and then picked it up again when I turned 40. And uh, as I say, it's a series on wisdom. We will get there. And, and one of the things that I've, I've, I've enjoyed as I've uh, grown more confident with the game in recent years is tackling. I was never a great tackler. I started off playing league. I remember being 15, playing under-17s, and I'd come off with a tackle count of three, you know, which is not high for those of you who, who, who don't know the game. And so I've enjoyed you know, the whole idea of tackling. And one of the things that, that I have noted is that there's a difference between tackling a big guy and a big guy who's fast, okay? It's quite a difference. And uh, I was talking to Kristen just before the gathering, and he was saying the biggest guy he ever tackled was the Springbok prop Oz Durant, Jacobus Petrus Durant. Those of you who know him, think of a, a six-foot brick Rubik's Cube on legs, and, and very, very huge man. I think he was just shy of 6'3", about 140 kilos. And so he was the biggest guy. But the biggest fast guy that Kristen ever had to tackle was a guy you might have heard of called Jonah Lomu. So he was 6'5", 120 kilos, but he could run a sub-11 second 100 metres. So it's one thing to tackle a big guy who's lumbering. You can just drag him to the ground. But when you're big and fast, it's dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's a whole other level. And so let's come back from the lofty heights of professional rugby to me. And, and so currently, we, we, one of the teams we play is, a, is an outfit called Melville Mustangs. Great team, great guys. And, uh, but they play a very physical game. It's stacked with these Polynesian Nephilim, these giants, and they just line up and, and just run at you and over you and through you. It's great fun. And there's, there's, there's one guy in particular uh, there. He, he, he weighs in at around he, between 150 and 160 kilos, but he's fast. I've seen him, I've seen him mow down one of our wingers. You know, one of our wingers was away and this big guy's running. I remember one game we played a tennis side tournament and he just about caught one of our wingers and I complained to the ref. I said, ref, I want to lay a complaint about this guy. He said, what? I said, the rest of us have to adhere to the laws of physics, <laughs> like Newton's second law and all those other ones. I draw on my deep knowledge of science and motion and physics. I said, you know, we have to adhere to the laws of physics, and this guy doesn't. Rhinos are slow. They don't run like cheetahs. This fellow's running too fast. It's not fair, you know. And so he just sort of laughed about it. But it, re it, re it really was freakish. Hate playing him. Hate playing him. But he's the loveliest guy. Loveliest guy. So anyway, anywho. So we're playing last year, and uh, I was quite tired. I'd run it a few times. I'd made it to a few rucks um, and, and made a few tackles. I'd done my time, I'd done some work, I'd earned myself a rest. And so this guy's running, this big fella's running the ball, but there's three of my mates in front of me, so they can do the work. So I just stood back and I thought, right, I'm just going to have, I, I, I checked out, I thought, right, I'm going to have a breather. Yeah, accident waiting to happen, eh? 
as you can imagine. So anyway, my, my mates, useless. Didn't even slow them down. Just sort of stepped, they pulled out their hankies and they went like this and guy just run through. So I'm standing at the back just going, oh, and so he comes running at me. I'm not ready for it. Hannah, if you would, this is what happened. I've got a picture for you. And that's what happened. Because I wasn't ready. Wasn't ready. So I'm not set. I go high. And what I'd like to just say while I'm here, Melville Rugby Club, thank you. I did some great stuff in that game, and that's the picture you put online? (laughs) Really? Thank you. Thank you very much. I shared this message in Papakura. My family were in hysterics at the front. I was like, really? Really whanau? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. But that's that's me. So I'm going backwards at a great rate of knots. And... uh, and if you go to the next picture, thank you, uh, Hannah. That's what, so my mate Greg Petron is able to come across because I've slowed him down. I've done my job. That's what judder bars do. They slow down the traffic. And then my mate Greg Petron is able to come across and make the tackle. Oh, gee, I did so much in that game. That's the picture. But listen, I was reading, this, I was reading some coaching material And I came across this statement about tackling large players. Have a listen to this. Undoubtedly, the best method to prevent a bigger player prevailing, how's that for a phrase, is a very good foundation in tackle technique. I'll just hold on to that phrase because we'll come back to it. A very good foundation in tackle technique. Now, I can remember my boys when they were younger and we would go down to the park and we would practice tackle technique. You get low. You get set, you get your shoulder on. Cheek to cheek was a phrase that we learned. So you get your head behind the player. You know, so you don't get your head in front and get a knee to the head. There's a, there's a way in which you do it to lay a good foundation. Now, if we can go to the next picture, if you would, please, Hannah. I do know how to tackle. I do know how to tackle when I'm switched on and I've got my foundation set. But if you go to the next picture, when the foundation's not set, ooh, Hello. I was high, I was off balance, I was unfocused, and I got a free ticket to bump off city. So a good foundation is important. Foundations. Let's hold on to that phrase, foundations. So over Christmas, <clears throat> we had, a, we had this, like, this five-meter pine tree in the back of our, our, our yard, just the sort of tree you want in a really small backyard. It was massive, huge. And we went away on holiday, and while we were away, the thing split and sort of collapsed on us. And uh, Hannah, I've got another picture there, if you would, please. And it absolutely munted our clothesline. Fell down and munted it. And um, I'm, I'm not a practical guy at all. I'm not, when, when you've got DIY stuff, I'm not the guy you call. Um, but I've got, a, I've got a great mate, Terry, who came around and, and helped out. And so he cut down the line and uh, got me to buy 60 kilos of concrete and we, we, another couple of pictures there, if you would, please, Hannah. And so I, I mix up the concrete. I even managed to stuff that up, put the water in too quickly. He said, oh, did you put all the water in, did you? I said, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> but we, we, we set a foundation for this, for this line. And it was neat watching my mate Terry as he got out the level and he put these, these metal wires in, these piles, to sort of make sure that the, the line was straight and we're getting the foundation set for something like a clothesline. You don't just whack it in. So we made sure that we got this, 
foundation for this clothesline, right? So that it would be straight and strong and be able to stand. So here's the thought. Whether it's tackling, whether it's putting up a clothesline, whether it's learning about maths or writing, whether you're cooking, whether you're starting a new relationship, whether you're building a house, whether you're building a life, getting that foundation right is essential. And Jesus is adamant on this point, and that's what we're going to have a look at this morning. So we're going to turn, if you've got your Bibles with you, to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 24. And the story we're looking at today comes at the end of Jesus' great sermon, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it contrasts two men. Both of them want to build. Both of them want to set a foundation for what they're building. And they set about the task in very different ways, and the results are very different. So we're going to look at that this morning, reading from Matthew 7, verse 24. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So Matthew 7, verse 24. Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on the rock, built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Lord, may we understand your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the message picks up on the building imagery and puts it this way, and this is what I've got here on the slide uh, behind us. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. So Jesus has... Uh, at the core of our faith, Jesus has come to earth to redeem a humanity that is lost to him, that has gone its own way, that has decided to be Lord of its own life. And so he has come, and he has come and brought to us the means and the way to enter back into relationship with God. And so his way, these aren't just clever ideas that you can pick or choose to add to your life to pretty it up, as you see fit. Okay, today what's popular is a spiritual smorgasbord. I get to pick and choose whatever I like. I find it very easy to talk, to Jesus, talk about Jesus to people today because they'll just add and, and, and subtract whatever suits them in their life because spirituality is hot, religion is not. Does it make sense? And, but, but what we need to understand is, is what is Jesus' is teaching it's not something that you can just pick or choose or add as you see fit. It's either his way or not. He's either Lord or he isn't. He doesn't give us the option to be a, a, a guy who stands on the sideline and goes, yay, and we can listen to whatever we want to of his. He's either Lord or he's not. And so as Lord, he brings the way for us to, to live God's life. His words are foundational words. If we're Christians, if we're children of God, His words are foundational words. They are words to build into your life and they are words to build your life on. His words are life 
and light and salvation, they aren't a way, they are the way. If you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, they are the way. Amen? Okay, so that's what we're, we're, we're getting at this morning. So both men in this parable have heard Jesus' words. Both men wanted to build, be it a house, a home, a family, a life. But each man went about it differently. And the consequences of their actions provide us with a tremendous challenge today. So, we see the connection between hearing and doing. The first man is like someone who listens to Jesus' words, his teaching, and follows it. Or as the New Revised Standard uh, Version puts it, someone who comes to me, Jesus said, someone who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. And acts on them. Jesus describes the first man as wise. The message describes him as the smart carpenter. So why is he wise? Well, because he built his house upon the rock. That is, he, he has listened to Jesus' words and he has acted on them. And so listening is a skill, an art. True? If you're married, true? You know, I came across uh, this tweet recently. Have a listen to this. Nobody has ever been more surprised than a husband hearing about his wife's plans for the second time. <laughs> Think about that. And I, and I know we still often have those conversations where Rachel will say, did you get it? And I'm like, what? Well, the milk asked you to pick it up. I'm like, what? <laughs> no? And then you get into that, no, you didn't. Yes, you did. And the kids go to their room until it's all sorted out. <laughs> but this idea of actually listening. So when we're wise, we listen to Jesus. We really listen. We're engaged. We're attentive. We're reflecting on his words and how they impact us. And we build them into our lives. We action them. We activate his wisdom in our lives. Luke's Gospel uh, sharing this story just adds a, a little bit more detail. Hannah, if you would, please, adds a little bit more detail. And this is what he says. Luke t Luke's gospel tells us that a wise man, Luke 6.48 says this, is like, a, is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. Luke just adds that little detail. It's like someone who digs deep. Um, and just, you know, on that note, tonight... Uh, I'm going to share a different message. Um, again, drawing on the wisdom tradition where probably a couple of months ago I wound up in a situation in a car park in Hamilton where I could have ended up getting my head punched in. And it's like, okay, what does wisdom say in that situation? I'm going to share about that tonight. Okay? <clears throat> There's awkward silence, so... So a different message tonight, again, drawing on the wisdom tradition and how it actually uh, applies in our lives today. So this man not only builds his house on rock, but he digs deep and he lays a solid foundation. And this would have taken a lot of work, much more work than just whipping your house up on sand, yeah? So he's digging deep, but when the rains come and the storms hit and the floods rise, it won't collapse because its foundation is deep and strong and sure, and solid. Okay? So, uh, I, I come across a book, uh, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, and in it a guy called Peter Scazzero shares about uh, buildings on Manhattan 
which is an island made up entirely almost of, of bare granite, which is a particularly strong type of rock. And it's a very hard, very strong type of rock. And in order to bear the weight of these, these, these amazing buildings, which are like 75 to 100 stories high, the builders use uh, foundational anchors called piles. And they're concrete or steel columns that are hammered into the ground until they penetrate steel rock. I can remember as a teenager wandering down Queen Street in Auckland and being overawed by these buildings that were like eight stories high. <laughs> and they had a McDonald's. It was the only place in the, in the country that had a McDonald's, Queen Street, Auckland. It's an awesome place. But you can imagine Manhattan, 75, 100 stories high. How do you get buildings to stand like that and the island is made up of bare granite. Well, apparently for especially tall buildings, some piles are driven up to 25 stories deep into the ground in order to make it stand. The massive weight of the skyscraper is then spread through each of the piles, and together they support the structure's enormous weight. And see, if the foundation piles aren't driven deeply enough or properly, then that weight isn't spread, and then all of a sudden those buildings can end up with cracks or, or the, the building can end up leaning. And then they have to be torn down and, and rebuilt at, at great expense. So for us, as we build our lives as children of God, we need to build our lives on Christ and His words. And we need to drill deep and we need to draw close. We need to let His Spirit and His teaching drill deep into the granite of our souls. So that our lives, our leadership, our ministry, whatever it is, we can stand strong when the storms hit rather than collapsing. I remember visiting Christchurch after the earthquakes in 2011. And, you know, we've got whānau here who were, who were in Christchurch at that time. And I remember wandering the CBD. And I remember seeing, it was just this, this hubbub of building activity. There were... There were cranes everywhere and, and massive deep holes with these huge uh, concrete and steel foundations ready to help the new buildings to go up and to stand strong so that they could withstand this immense pressure of tectonic activity. And I remember later reading about the importance of those foundations to bear the brunt of an earthquake's energy and the importance of, the, they had a phrase, seismic resilience so that the buildings could have resilience with all of that activity. You see, when we not only listen to Jesus' words, but act on them, building them into our lives, then we can establish a, a divine seismic resilience that will help us stand through the tests and the trials of life. And we know that the storms will come. So as we follow Jesus, as we learn to trust Him, then our house is steady and solid because we've built deep, we've built on the rock, unshaken by the circumstances. God, let that be for us. Now, this is in contrast to the second man in the parable. The second man is described as foolish, and we find that, you'll, you'll, you'll find that in the wisdom tradition, if you read through Proverbs, there's wisdom, foolishness. The way of wisdom, the way of the wise, in the way of stupidity. There's different paths that you can take. I'll talk about that a little bit more tonight. But the opposite 
of wise is foolish. And this man who builds on sand when the storms of life come, all he builds collapses with a mighty crash. The message describes it as uh, the house collapses like a house of cards. Everything becomes a total loss. So this man heard the words of Jesus, but didn't act on them. Didn't drill deep, didn't build on that strong foundation. And so the message describes him as the dumb carpenter or the stupid carpenter. Now the Greek word for foolish is the root for our word moron. Now in our politically correct society, now it's not cool to be rude, but in our politically correct society, oh that sounds very judgmental Simon, it sounds very harsh. Yeah, but the point that that God is trying to get through in his word is that this is about our lives. Our lives are at stake. The well-being of our families at stake. We're not mucking around here. We don't have time to worry about your sensibilities, about being called stupid. If the Bible says it's stupid, we might have to step back and go, gee, I wonder why. I wonder why they say that it's better to be, to be, to be calm and gentle rather than just to flash up in anger. That's the way of foolishness. That's the way to tear a house down. So this is about the coming generations. This is about eternity. Proverbs 4 in the message says this, Guard wisdom well, your life is at stake. This is about our lives. This is a, and not only our lives. See, in the West we think about me and my quiet time and my life. But your life impacts your family and impacts your community and impacts the generations to come and it draws on the generations before. That's, that's, that's wider human biblical thinking. Okay? So wisdom, incredibly important. Do you remember, gosh, it's been a crazy few years, hasn't it? Do you remember in mid-February we had a cyclone? Cyclone Dovey. Do you remember that? Cyclone Dovey came through and it just left... Just, just, uh, uh, just so much damage in its wake. There were trees torn up. There were uh, lampposts and, and streetlights came crashing down. There was flash flooding up in Auckland. I remember uh, there were tens of thousands were left without power across the North Island. They said that there were winds of up to 150 kilometres an hour on the coastal Waikato and over Thamesway. It was, it was really, really uh, amazing. And I was at a, at a, a wedding celebration on the Sunday, uh, and everything got knocked out, power got knocked out. And I remember driving home, and I had to go a different way because as I was coming up past Porrit Stadium, Hannah, if you would, please, um, next picture, a couple of trees. Do you remember sites like this? Back in February, trees knocked down and... And if you look at those trees, some of those roots, they're thicker than my leg. But again, if you look quite close, the roots are quite shallow. They're not running deep. But there was this, this amazing amount of damage around about the place. And I remember as I, as I turned around and had to find another way home, I drove past uprooted trees, fallen branches, damaged power lines, all over the show. As we drill deep, and establish our lives on Christ and his words. With the help of the Holy Spirit. As we pray and meditate on his scriptures rather than what's being said around, around us. As we get God's word deep into our spirits and into our being. Loving God and loving others. Then we become more like Jesus. We become more the men and women that he has created us to be. 
I tell you what, I like the Simon I'm becoming trying to walk the path of wisdom than if I'd walked some of the other paths I could have in my life. I'd be quite a different person now. Probably would have wreaked quite a bit of damage in the lives of those around me if I hadn't tried to walk the path of Jesus and followed his way. Probably many of us could say amen to that. We become more like Jesus. We become more solid in our relationship with the Father through Christ. And we become ready to respond in the ways of wisdom in the life that we're living. So we're ready to respond in love rather than bitterness. Forgiveness rather than vengeance. Bringing words of hope and life rather than words that continue to spread pain and poison. This is what it is to, to walk the way of wisdom, to build your house upon Christ and His words. Then when the storms of life come, we're not tossed to and fro by the winds of the world, or we're not overwhelmed by the flood of circumstances beyond our control. You think of the old song, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You get knocked around, but you still, when the dust settles, you find you're still standing. Why? Because we have built our lives not on worldly success, not on the respect of our peers or of status or wealth or any other measure or indicator that the world puts forward, but we have endeavored to build our lives on the wisdom and person of Jesus. Then, when the storm passes, leaving chaos in its wake, we find ourselves still standing because our foundation is strong. Every person in this life will be tested. Every house, every life will be battered by storms, face the threat of being overwhelmed by floods, assailed by strong winds. That's part of life. We've got to be careful of falling into the idea of if I'm truly walking with Jesus and everything will be pretty and awesome and nothing bad will ever happen. That, 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 that's going too far one way in terms of our thinking. It's actually about, you know, at the core of our faith was an innocent one who suffered. And there's much of the biblical teaching that talks about how to stand in the midst of hardship and live a godly life. Okay? And so we have that challenge before us. You know, circumstances beyond our control can roll over us in waves. Relationships are battered. Trust can be stretched. Faith is tested. And let's face it, we've all endured some pretty trying circumstances in these last few years. And some of us are enduring and still in the midst of some pretty heavy shaking. And it's brought all sorts of pressures. It's brought all sorts of stresses. One thing about storms, they'll let you know what kind of foundation you're on. Whether or not you need to get to higher ground safer ground or more solid ground. Oh, I got bumped off. Right, I need to reset my foundation. Need to get switched on. Need to get lowered. Need to get my technique right. Oh, we need to get that foundation right as we're building. Foundations. So I've just got a series of reflections for us to ponder. And I leave this open for the Spirit to speak to us wherever we are at this time. 
What is the foundation of your life? What are you building your life on? We know what we say it is, but then the storms come and you find out what you have really been building on. And it gives us a chance to realign and readjust. So is it Christ? Or is it your position? Or popularity or acceptance? Or success, whatever success looks like to you. Whose words are you listening to? Whose words are you building your life on? Whose words are you building into your life? Whose words are you acting on? See, there are so many voices going on around us today. Social media accentuates this. The media accentuates this. There are so many voices going on. And the polarizing nature of social media means that those at the edges are getting further and further apart and louder and louder. And everyone in the middle, probably a lot of Kiwi, just go like this. Get their head down and try and stay out of it. But there's a lot of loud voices that are certain of the rightness of their stance and aren't interested in listening, but just being heard. Who are you listening to in the midst of that? Somehow we've got to carve out space to make sure that we have ears for Jesus. And that we hear the, His words and that we act on them. Are there storms raging at the moment in your life? Beating, thrashing against the walls of your house, threatening to knock down or wash away all that you've worked for? There's an old hymn that I love uh, that uh, begins with these words. My hope is built on nothing less. Do you know? Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Then you come to the chorus. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is a sinking sand. All other ground is a sinking sand. Drawing on this, this scriptural idea. So, as I reflect on those beautiful words, you know, so many self-professed experts, so many loud and angry voices demanding to be heard, convinced of the rightness of their opinion. But would you take time to discern his voice today? His words, his way. I'll tell you one thing I'm convinced of, Fano. My way doesn't work. I like Frank Sinatra. I like that song. But ultimately... I don't want to say at the end of my life I did it my way because my way doesn't work. But my experience has been his way makes a difference. And that's not a very cool... See, that's, that's subservience. That's, but you see, he's Lord. And so he has, a, he has a way and he says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And I have to go, okay. And then step and walk and do it. So, determine this day to declare Christ once again as the foundation of your life. His way, His wisdom. Christ, the solid rock. The rock that is higher than I. 
the refuge, the strong tower, the mighty fortress, a bulwark never failing. Think of the words of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O Lord. Give heed to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. Though my heart is faint, I'm near death. I'm wrung out. I've got no strength left. Though my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a refuge for me, a strong tower against the enemy. So we're not alone in this life, family. So Lord Jesus, may your words and your way, may you yourself be the foundation of our lives, we pray. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us to struggle through life like, a, like someone groping around in a dark room trying to find the light switch. But, Lord, you are there in the midst of us. Lord, you, you care. You have come down. Lord, the Word made flesh. Um, the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord Jesus, you have come and you have walked among us in order to redeem us and to bring us back to you, the Father. Lord, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters this morning, those of us who are here, those of us who are listening online. I pray for us, Lord, that you would let your wisdom settle deep within our souls, that you would help us to turn to you, that you would give us ears to hear your words, hearts to receive your way, minds to understand, and then give us the strength and the courage and the perseverance to act on your wisdom and to walk it out in life. Lord, be the strong foundation in our lives with all that is going on around us and all that assails us. Whether it's issues of health or issues uh, of steps for the future, whether it's concerns around finance or decisions in the family, whether it's regrets for the past or concerns about going forward, Lord, we pray that you would come into the, the circumstances of each of my brothers and sisters that you would show yourself Lord and that you would let your wisdom reign. Thank you, Lord. I pray your blessing upon each person here. I pray for every one of us that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that the Lord would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord would lift up his countenance upon you all and give you peace both now and evermore. And I pray that the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with us all. In Jesus' precious name I pray.